Hey there, everyone. Art Burns here, wishing you well today. Thank you for listening to the Mindful Magic Podcast, and I'm really excited to share some more information with you tonight about some mindfulness practices and the wonderful benefits we can get from mindfulness practices. And of course, I talk about a lot of different things in this podcast, many different uh, benefits to many different types of practices, and we we cover a lot, <laughs> and I'm happy to do so. Um, but one of the things that, you know, the, the main the main uh, focus of this podcast specifically is the stress reduction aspect of mindfulness. Now, mindfulness can help us in many, many different ways, right? Not only is it stress reduction and also uh, emotional intelligence, which I would argue are more connected to one another than, than many people feel they are. Um, but beyond this, there, there are many different things that, that you can, uh, you know, kind of gain from, from the practice of mindfulness, right? From, from doing mindfulness practices on a daily basis, you know, you, you kind of train yourself to focus your mind better. Uh, you gain a more, uh, you know, a, a, an ability for, for a more open awareness in your life, you know, just to, to be aware of things around you and, and be aware of what you're going through. Uh, this is an enormously helpful thing uh, for us to do as, as people. I mean, it's, you know, awareness is, is the very foundation of, of well-being, you know, and, uh, and not only is it the, um, you know, the, the awareness, but it's also the awareness of the awareness, right? And this is something that a lot of people, you know, kind of don't, you know, you don't think about this very often, right? But, but awareness of awareness, the ability to know where our awareness is or where our attention is specifically within our awareness, right? Um, this is something that, you know, um, the ability to, you know, to anchor the wandering mind is a huge, huge aspect, a huge, huge benefit in, in our lives, right? And, and many people, you know, live their whole lives without really ever even knowing what this is even about, much less being able to, to reap the benefits of the ability to do this. And so, and so these are among all the different things that, that mindfulness can do, right? But, um, but one of the things that's common to all these, these different uh, aspects of, of mindfulness that I just talked about um, is, is the ability to, you know, to let go of the judgment, right? Mindfulness is nothing more than moment-to-moment non-judging awareness, right? And from moment-to-moment non-judging awareness comes all of these different benefits, right? And that, that's the magic of mindfulness, right? Is that it's so simple and yet so profoundly beneficial on so many levels. And again, you know, our stress will, will be reduced. Our, our ability to, to communicate with one another will be increased. And all these different things that I just mentioned, just from the practice of moment-to-moment non-judging awareness. And so the way this works is when we allow ourselves to let go of the judgment, when we, when we kind of free ourselves from the judging mind, right, which is something that the mind wants to do. Like that's, you know, we, we've been sort of conditioned to do that. And we're wired to do it, right? We're wired to look out for the negative, right? And we're wired to, to um, you know, it's part of our survival instinct is to look out for the negative aspects of our lives, right? Our experiences in our lives. And so <laughs> mindfulness is the ability to kind of let go of that whole you know, that whole, you know, kind of guiding principle of our mind, right? And, and as we practice it, and it does take practice, right? Because again, it's, it's the natural inclination of our mind to, to, to judge and to, and to look out for those things that we judge as negative, right? Because those are the things that could potentially hurt us. And so 
so as we, um, you know, so as we train ourselves, train our minds and train our bodies to let go of these judging um, thoughts and, and judgments of our experiences, right? What we do is we open ourselves up to kind of a curiosity about our experiences, right? The, the ability to, um, to, to just accept what we're going through without you know, wanting to change anything. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't change things that aren't serving you, right? That doesn't mean that you're going to just live a life of mediocrity and just take what comes to you. It means actually the opposite. When we can free ourselves from the judgment, we, we then allow for, for ourselves to really see, you know, what it is that we, what we really need and what we really want. And, and these things become apparent to us. And this is yet another benefit of mindfulness uh, practices. But, but in the process of, of letting go of all this and, and gaining this sort of curiosity of, of our experiences and our thoughts and our emotions and our, the sensations of our body, as we gain this curiosity, right, what we're then able to do is kind of let ourselves, you know, come outside of our own bodies and, and sort of take in awareness of, of everybody else that's around us, not only the experiences, but also the people around us, right? And this is where empathy arises from, right? Empathy is essentially the non-judging awareness of someone else, right? Like, like you know, the ability to just see what someone else is going through not from, you know, not, not through your own prism, but, but see it in their experience, right? And, 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 and feel what they're going through in your body, feel a connection to them on that level. And then from here, right, from empathy, very, very naturally and very, very easily grows compassion. And compassion, my friends, is like the mother of all practices, right? Like this is the thing that to me, of all the different things that I practice in mindfulness and all the th- different things that I've, I've discovered through mindfulness, compassion exercises is pri- undoubtedly is the most profound and the most effective thing that I've done, right? And, and the reason for this is that, that compassion allows you to, to feel for, for another, right? It, it allows you to, you know, to again, you know, empathy is the ability to get out of yourself and to feel something that someone else is feeling, right? But compassion is for you to extend the well-wishing that you have in your heart for another, right? And, and so, so like we're always kind of worried about our own well-being, right? Like that's something that, again, that's we're wired for that, right? But ironically, we're also wired for compassion. And that's been showed in a lot of different, um, a lot of different research and a lot of different uh, studies and, and data show that, that if you, you know, that, that our, natural inc- our natural wiring and our natural inclination of our mind is to care for others, Right. And, and, and when we can get into that. Right. And I, I start to say, like, like we're, we're always kind of worried about ourselves. Right. Like we worry about, you know, how we're feeling. We, we want to like if we're hurting, we want to heal ourselves. If we're you know, hungry, we want to feed ourselves We're thirsty, we want to drink. If we're if we're feeling sad, we want to somehow make ourselves happy. Right. So compassion is the ability to feel that for someone else, okay? And, and when we can do that, when we can get in touch 
with that feeling on a on a real visceral and very primal level and that's that's where it lives folks you know that's where it is right this is not a woo woo um you know airy fairy concept here right this is science this is neuroscience has shown us that 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 is what you know that when we can feel that for other people right the the parts of our brain that are active when we're thinking about that are the same parts of our brain that that indicate happiness right and well-being same thing goes for for our bodies right it it is you know our our bodies regulate better our bodies feel better our bodies perform better when we are practicing compassion okay again this has been studied with people in mris and eegs and all kinds of different uh you know modes of studying you know every metric you can think of of modern science has shown that this is true right i mean it's not even just um from science but also you know uh (laughs) there's an amazing uh study that was done by the u.s navy right i've mentioned this before but the u.s navy did a study that showed that the most effective uh, officers that they had, the people who rose through the ranks the best and were the most effective uh, officers and the most effective leaders, they were also the most compassionate and the most empathic, right? So even the U.S. military says that this is true, right? And another, uh, I want to, you know, which is very ironic, right? That's not something you would think. I I was very, very surprised when I learned that, that that the U.S. military, you know, (laughs) had even took a study that that to show this, but but that when they did, they showed unequivocally that it's true that, that the people who are the best, most effective leaders are the ones who are the most compassionate, right? And so I have another uh, very sort of ironic um, (laughs) fact about compassion that might surprise you as well. And I just read about this this afternoon. Um, Someone who runs another podcast called the uh, Positive Heads Podcast, and now he has the Optimistic Podcast, uh, Optimistic with a Y uh, podcast. His name is Brandon Beecham, and he posted something on social media today that that just hit me like a ton of bricks. So, So the old book, The Lord of the Flies, right? It's a classic. Most of you have probably read it. If not, you've heard of it. Um, you know, it, it's like a, it's kind of the punchline of a joke, right? Like, like you, you know, like anytime you think of a, a bunch of kids being left on their own, you know, the, the, the automatic thought that comes from, you know, comes to your mind is, is that of the Lord of the Flies when things just completely fall apart and the kids start turning on themselves and they're wearing face makeup and, you know, and, and trying to, to hurt each other. Right. Um, and, and like, you know, you know, really, you know, killing each other, literally. So the story goes that, I don't know if, in case you're not familiar with the story of Lord of the Flies, so a bunch of kids are shipwrecked um, with no adults on a, on a little island, right? And in the beginning, they, they, you know, they, they talk about they're going to cooperate with one another. They start a fire. They're going to work together and cooperate uh, to, to keep the fire going. And they're going to, you know, everything's going to be great, you know, and they're going to, they're going to, you know, live beautifully and happily in this new uh, situation, right? And before, you know, a couple of days go by, of course, you know, the fight, you know, they start fighting over the fire and they start, um, you know, literally killing each other over the fire and over, you know, power structure and, and, you know, and it becomes like a a free for all, right? And and like complete anarchy and it descends into this, you know, the most basest, you know, levels of of human, you know, like like the the ugliest part of human uh, nature, right? And so for generations, you know, it's kind of been 
this has almost been taken as like, uh, you know, like this is the human nature. This is how people are, you know, certainly that's how I always thought of it, you know, but um, <laughs> I, I just learned uh, through reading this article that the author of that book was actually somebody who, who was like, you know, he was first of all an alcoholic. He, uh, he was not very, you know, kind to his own children. He didn't believe in the kindness of children. He actually, ironically, was a bit of a Nazi sympathizer, right? And the book was written in 1955, right? So it turns out that in 1966, an, uh, an actual experience, an actual event, just like Lord of the Flies, actually happened, okay? And I was just astounded that I read this just today. But, um, but apparently, yeah, there was a, a group of kids in the area of Australia um, who, who um, you know, some s- small islands or whatever, you know, in that area of the world. And, um, and so they set sail. They... they, they uh, kind of hijacked a fishing boat because they were they were all in this, this Catholic school together and they were all miserable. They hated school. They hated everything about it. So they decided that they were going to, you know, steal a boat. <laughs> and they did. And so a bunch of like, you know, I, I guess they, I'm guessing they were like between 10 and 15 years old. They, they took this boat and they sailed. They just, they, you know, it was a fishing boat and they, they sailed out of the harbor. Nobody noticed the boat leaving the harbor that night. Um, and, uh, and of course, then they, they, you know, they all packed like, you know, they had like a couple of bunches of bananas and, and like a jug of water and that was it. And so, and of course, overnight they fell asleep and they woke up to a terrible storm. And, uh, and during this terrible storm, you know, they tried to put the sail up, but the sail was, you know, the winds were so strong, the sail was shredded uh, immediately. They were drifting for a couple of days and then finally they came upon this little tiny island right and um and literally i mean this is like i think it was nine kids if i'm not mistaken um were were you know were shipwrecked on this island right i'll put a a, a link to the uh to the article in the description of this podcast and um so you can read it it's it's fascinating and so so this this author of this article tracked down the um the person who was the uh, the the the, sh- the the somebody who who was in a boat who actually found these kids, right? And he tracked this person down, and 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 this person was still in touch with the kids who were now, you know, the guy was in his nineties, and the kids were now in their seventies. And so anyway, the 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 reality of what happened was these kids were on this island with no food, no water. They had to fend for themselves. They they were um, they they wound up like you know eating local birds. They they did find like an old like a, a ancient farm from from uh from when uh indigenous folks indigenous people lived on this small island at one point before they were taken away by slave traders and uh and so there was like you know the remnants of you know banana trees and stuff like this so eventually they found this and were able to sustain themselves but for 15 months they were on this island right everybody giving them up for dead they had funerals for these kids and they were on this island for 15 months and it turns out that and even one of them had broken a leg right and and the doctor when the when the kids were found the doctor was astounded at how well the leg had had healed and had been set and so the 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 thing that they found that these kids went through was that it was 
all completely cooperative. It was all about love. They, they, were, they just cared for each other. The one kid broke his leg by falling off this, you know, like, you know, falling down this, this mountainside and the kids like carried him up and then set his leg with, with two sticks and some reeds. And, you know, it was like they just cared for each other. And any time there was any kind of argument that happened, they had a mandatory timeout. And that was the only rule they had was that they would, they would just calm down every time someone got, you know, a little emotional and started to argue with one another. Right. And so, so the point that I'm trying to make, and I know I'm not telling this story very, very well, I, I guess I maybe should have, uh, you know, brushed up, uh, brushed up on some of the details of this story and I'm sorry, but, but the point I'm trying to make is that while all these years for the last, you know, um, 60, 70 years, we've thought that, that, you know, like, you know, we kind of consider the Lord of the flies is like, you know, that's what would happen with a bunch of kids if they were left without any kind of societal, uh, norms and, and rules and, and, you know, in hierarchy and, you know, would all descend into this violent chaos, you know, it could not be further from the truth. It was actually the opposite happened, the complete opposite. The, the, the kids governed themselves and, 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 you know, and conducted themselves in pure harmony. And they did so through compassion, which again, the reason I wanted to tell this story, and again, I just read this story this afternoon. So pardon me again for not, not being a little bit more brushed up on the details of the story. But the reason I wanted to bring it up to you is because it's, it's, you know, again, this is how we are wired. You know, if given the chance, our bodies, our minds, everything about us wants to be compassionate. Okay. And so, and so when you can practice compassion, right, which will arise from, from mindfulness practices, right? If you practice, you know, paying attention on purpose in the present moment, non-judgmentally to what is happening as it's happening, compassion will arise automatically. But the beautiful thing is that you can practice compassion on its own intentionally and formally or informally or regularly, however you want to look at it. You can, and I can give you some practices to do so. They are very, very simple practices. They are very, very effective practices. And when you can get into a place of compassion, you are aligned with your inner nature because your inner nature is one who wants to be, you know, wants to be helpful, wants to be kind, wants to be loving, wants to be collaborative and cooperative right? It does not want to be in competition the way that we are in our modern society. It does not want to be hateful the way you might see people, you know, who are arguing on social media and, and people in the political sphere yelling and, and pounding podiums and stuff. This is not who we really are, right? Even though that's how it seems sometimes, it is not who we really are. If we really boil down the, 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 the way that we are intrinsically and, and, and in our very, you know, the, the very base instincts that we have are cooperation and compassion, right? Uh, there's another story. Uh, let me see if I have time here. I don't want to take up too much time. Yeah, I'll take another couple of minutes. There's another story about an anthropologist named Margaret Maid, um, who, you know, in the 40s or 50s or something like that. She was teaching a class, and uh, I, I don't know the year, but I'm just guessing that's that's around the the, the era that she was teaching. But one of her her classes, uh, one of her uh, students, um, asked her a question of when when was the first what was the first sign of civilization, or, or when was it that that civilization you know like, like 
what was the earliest sign of civilization? I think that's what she said. And of course, the um, the the student expected her to say something like, you know, uh, when there was pottery or or tools or or weapons or or you know, government or something like that, right? But what what Margaret Mead said was, she said the first sign of civilization in her mind was was they dug up an archaeological dig and they saw a, a skeleton with a broken femur right which had been healed right now the femur is a leg bone right um and what she said it's really eloquent i i wish i could remember word for word but what she said but but what she said was that that seeing this broken and healed femur proved that somebody cared about this person right like like you know that's pretty much a death sentence in in you know in ancient you know prehistoric times right before civilization right like like if you broke your leg if any animal breaks its leg it's pretty much left for dead you know it, it means that you know if, if this person was you know if, if the rest of the tribe just left this person out there in the wilderness with a broken leg the person would not survive very long right he, she or he could not go get food for herself she he, she or she could not escape or, or fend off danger and so it would be dead right so so what this proves is that is that someone else carried this person to safety someone else sat with this person and protected this person while he or she healed they fed them they gave them water they 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 you know helped them until they healed this bone and that was the first sign of what this woman calls civilization but but what i'll say taking it a step further is again this is just proof that this is how we are this is who we are this is what we are okay we are you know beings who want to to be kind and want to help each other and want to love each other so people please practice a little compassion if you want to if you want some some uh some easy practices to do please just just get in touch with me okay art at artburnscoaching.com i'd be more than happy to send you some very simple practices you can start doing right away do a couple minutes every day you'd be amazed at how how different you will be uh feeling and acting and really acting in 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 impulse and 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 in habit and in automatic uh ways uh that will be more compassionate will be more aligned with who you really are and it's going to feel great and so many things are going to help <laughs> so many things are going to happen for you that are going to seem wonderful all right folks thanks for listening i wish you well um i hold you in compassion and um I'll be back again on Monday with some more great uh, information about mindfulness practices, and uh, I'll see you then. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye.